Welcome to the Realmcast. I am your Mortal Kombat fan, Tim, and with me as always is our co-host, our lore master, Yanni. Welcome, Yanni. Thanks, fan, Tim. Although on this episode, I'm not sure I'm the only lore master. Oh my gosh, you're right. We got multiple <laughs> lore masters. <laughs> so in order of appearance on Realmcast episodes, we'd like to welcome back the fourth snake, history behind the warrior, Brandon from Channel Midnight Productions, and Brusque Poet. Welcome, guys. Hello. What's going on, everybody? Hey. Hello. <laughs> All right, so for those of our fans who don't know who you are, who haven't listened to our previous episodes with you, uh, do you guys mind going through and giving a little introduction of yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm the guy who uh, hates on Netherrealm constantly. I never have anything <laughs> nice to say about them. Uh, I'm, I'm just a hater who just who <laughs> loves the franchise despite that. And, and, and of course, I think I can write the stories better than the actual writers can. That, <laughs> <laughs> That's the fourth thing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And history behind the warrior. I guess I'm the other hater. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) General idiot, law nerd, pro commentator for a long-time Mortal Kombat fan due to history of breakdown and analysis. I feel like it's all in the name. It's all in the name, of course. But uh, I think uh, I'm a big law buff of the series, been a big fan for a very long time. And, you know, we're here today to talk about some more Mortal Kombat. So once again, I speak for pretty much everyone here and we say uh, thank you for having us on. Thank you guys all for joining us. Thank you. And Brandon. I'm an independent filmmaker, and what most people care about is the fact that I leaked a lot of information on the movie production and kind of went through some of the drafts of the screenplays. All right, and last but not least, Brusque Poet. Hey, everybody. I am Brusque Poet. I am also not a hater of the of the other <laughs> realm no nah. uh, no i <laughs> we're breaking the streak no i'm over here uh, as a mortal kombat youtuber and also streamer who talks does talk a lot about the lore but also is somebody who talks just in general terms of mortal kombat i talk about almost anything i have an opinion about because that's what the internet is about so <laughs> that's basically all I'm, that i have to say <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us again. It's a pleasure having you back. The topic of discussion for this episode is does origin or racial influence matter in Mortal Kombat? Now, for the sake of this discussion, we're not actually going to be stating our individual origins. However, this group is made up of multiple different origins. So I guess we'll get started. Uh, We're going to bring up certain characters, species, origins, etc., and just basically discuss them. So I'd like to raise the point of Sub-Zero first. Do we all remember his origin in the previous timeline? American yes. Chinese. Mm. American Chinese, yes. And I, as far as I know, in the reboot era, they haven't seemed to have continued that. That seems to have been retconned in some way, is it, has it not? It looks like it, because when you look at his uh, story vignettes from 2011, the parents did seem to be living in China. So it looked like they've removed the American part of it, which I assume was just to ex- explain why, say, John Turk was playing Sub-Zero in MK3 and it didn't look particularly Chinese. But now he just seems to have gone full Chinese, even though he does. he's voiced by Steve Bloom. And in the original timeline, was there any identification for his father or mother? Like, why one of them were American? His father was Chinese and his mother was American. And that's that's what we know. That was from MK Mythology's website because that is where all the lore was at. You can't find it now. You have to go to like a uh, one of those uh, websites, like Wayback uh, Machine. Yeah, Wayback Machine. That's oh, what yeah. you have to do. So you to, that's how you find it. So that's why some people don't know that. But I remember that specific detail that his father was Chinese and his mother was American. So I guess the question kind of is: Does this matter? 
that he is comes across as fully Chinese now in the new timeline. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, not particularly. I, I'm more concerned about the fact that the aspects of the story surrounding the that heritage, like the fact that you had a sister and she and the mother were left in America while the father took the two brothers back to China. I, I'm more concerned with how that didn't go anywhere when you could do a lot with that. But as far as change him to be fully Chinese, it's an inconsistency. And you know what I'm like when it comes to inconsistencies in MK. <laughs> oof, oof. But uh, I think it's not that big a deal. I mean, it's not like uh, the fact that he's Chinese or Chinese-American ever really came up in either timeline anyway. Mm-hmm. So not much has really come of it anyway. So it's kind of moot at this point for him, I think. That brings up a good point, though. The the whole sister thing, that you know, led a lot of speculation that maybe Frost was somehow related to... Oh, my God. The Neverman <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Fiction> intensifies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I wasn't around during those days on MKO. I came very, very late on MKO, but from the people who were around in MKO, I hear that is all the discussion. When Frost was uh, eventually came to Deadly Alliance because the sister stuff was revealed uh, first in mythologies, but when Frost came up, everyone started making that connection. And then I, I, I know somebody who like, was super furious like no that can't work that's just so stupid <laughs> <laughs> history you got anything to add to this um not necessarily i don't feel like his racial background really plays an influence into anything um mostly because there's nothing that he has gameplay wise or character wise that kind of exuberates or honors his uh, heritage outside of being a member of the Lin Kuei. you know that's kind of the be harm was Lin Kuei first and foremost Whereas uh, Kwai Lang was a little bit different in that respect. He respected the qualities of the Lin Kuei, but understood the aspect of humanity and like the direction that it needed to be taken in in order to be much more in touch with the world. So I, I don't feel like his racial influence is his like a character-defining trait, you know? I feel like Lin Kuei, first and foremost, is his home, how he was raised, and where basically most of his character does originate from um, I, I will say I don't know how I feel about in the new current continuity because, of course, like they may have deviated away from the new thing, but I know they're trying to do this whole everyone's a kind of an Adenian but not an Adenian type of thing. So maybe that kind of comes through in his move set a little bit. But even then, he wouldn't actually know anything about that. You know, the whole Lin Kuei versus the Shir- Shirayu it brings about this whole triad ninjas versus Yakuza ninjas. So. If anything, I think it kind of emphasized mm-hmm. that point. One of the things I'll say is it was never really a big deal with me regarding whether uh, Sub-Zero was fully Chinese, half Chinese, or even to the point where if you look at how they adapted the character throughout various media, where he was played by a Frenchman in the 1995 movie. And then for the TV series, he's played by... was that. J.J. Perry? In the TV series? Yes, I think, yeah. Yes, yes. For Con- Conquest, yes. So one of the aspects that I liked was because the, the lore back then was never solidified. I like the idea, at least during that time period, where there was the possibility that Sub-Zero's family wasn't really his family. I know that at, at the very least, Threshold Entertainment decided to do the idea that the Lin Kuei kidnapped children and then train them in their compound. So I like the idea that there's the potential for Sub-Zero's family to not actually be his family. 
And I always wondered if at that time they didn't have actual names, but it would have been was Bai Han and Kwai Liang, were they blood related brothers or were they just two people and they were given to a family within the Lin Kuei who also were formerly children of different people that were kidnapped. And it kind of made sense at the time that they had non-Chinese assassins because they were supposed to be able to blend in. So it made sense to me that Sub-Zero would be half American, Cyrax was black, and it was just a neat idea that they just kidnapped random children everywhere. And then train them so that they have operatives that can blend in into uh, different cultures. So that was kind of the idea that I had over the years was, well, maybe they're not all related. So it could be that just for the sake of clarity, Baihan, the original Sub-Zero, like he could potentially be uh, fully Chinese. But then you have the younger brother who's actually American because John Turk playing him in Mortal Kombat 3. It just kind of obviously was not a character played by a Chinese person. Well, yeah, that's what I think that the idea was, was that Bihan was the like more Chinese looking brother and Kwai Liang was the more American looking brother. I do think that could have been just an explanation as to why, like, they both don't look Chinese, that they have American blood in there as well. And then one of them just looks more American. But at the same time, when that bit of information was revealed, that was in mythologies and they weren't revealed to be brothers until Deception. So it makes me wonder if they had plans all along. I don't know if they had plans all along for them to be brothers, but I know it was speculated on, like, uh, for for a long long time it's been a speculative thing in the mk community back in those days although i can't speak for that 100 because i wasn't around during that time from the fans that i talked to um that did that's the general consensus is that people did question whether or not bihan or noob cybot and sub-zero were related in some way or something like that in terms of like it does if it does if it matters or not I don't think it really does. I mean, look, the, the, the song Chinese Ninja Warrior, but the guy looks American. You know, if you want to go full on with the Chinese, sure, you can go ahead and do that. I think it's fine. Um, you could still say that he looks American. I mean, I mean, he looks American, that he is American, that he has the American blood in him from his mother, um, but he just looks Chinese. You can do that. It's fine. It, it just it doesn't really matter. It's like, is this person half Mexican or not. Well, if you're Mexican, you're Mexican. So it, it, I, I, don't, I don't really think it matters too much. So. so in MK3, obviously we had John Turk as Sub-Zero and he sort of, he was kind of a departure from the original designs of the, the ninja, right? We'd known them to be masked ninja this whole time. And in MK3, we finally get to see one of the ninja unmasked. And I feel like this sort of set, set in kind of in stone for how they were going to take the origin for Sub-Zero. It's like, hey, we have a, a guy who sure. just straight up looks white. So, you know, we're going to have to explain that somehow. And yeah, he's half American, half Chinese. And that fits very well. And as mentioned already, it, it works very well for the Lin Kuei as a whole to have different members from different places so that they could actually, you know, fit in wherever they went. Yeah. But then on top of that, I feel like it was actually revisited sort of with MKX. To me, Sub-Zero's MKX design was actually a callback to his MK3 design. Sure. 
uh, I would say that Sub-Zero in MKX actually looked quite American still, rather than just being purely Chinese. Whereas in MK11, it seems to have, well, turned on its head. I, I know that MK9 was where the sort of retcon sort of began, I guess. But I still feel that MKX took the design inspiration from MK3 in terms of facial aesthetics, right? Yeah, MK MKX just kind of like, well, I mean, this is what it looks like in the original game, so I guess we'll do it. But then I guess like it, I yeah I guess in the next game they kind of changed it. Yeah, I don't know why they kind of they did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of the things that I found very infuriating about the current three games, uh, the remake X and Eleven, was how all the designs, even though everything is sculpted in three D, every single character seemed like it changed between each installment. And I found that so fucking irritating where it just seemed like every game Johnny Cage looks completely different than the previous installment. Same thing with Shang. Well, there's multiple factors that go into it, although I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I think multiple factors go into like why that is, is because one, like technology, they get better access to technology and two, sometimes the characters are supposed to look older and stuff. But if you have the opportunity to make something look better and it's going to come out a cost of making it look very, very different from the previous iteration. I think I, I, I honestly will take the uh, the thing that looks better because I like the way everybody looks in 11. I don't yeah. care that Kurt Tagawa's likeness was not in MK9 or in the concept art of MKX or something like that. Like, I, I really don't care. Like, give, give me something that's actually good. And I'm not I, I know it kind of sounds I don't care about inconsistency, <laughs> but to me, that d- doesn't I don't know. To me, that never really bothered me. Uh, it bothered me sometimes, but it, it it really, to me, it's like, okay, well, I have the opportunity to have Kerry Tagawa Shang Tsung, oh, but consistency-wise, you should want this regular Shang Tsung. What am I going to take? I'm going to take Kerry Tagawa Shang Tsung. So I, I'm kind of left with no choice here. And I'm pretty sure the people, the developers have, they, they kind of uh, are also having that question in mind yeah it's also because of the uh, new engine they're using as well it's a, a hybrid version of unreal 3 i believe and mm-hmm. unlike yeah, cause very, i, I very feel awkward. like what's also gone on with that and i've noticed it a lot recently as uh, ever since kind of capcom introduced visual facial scans and tracing um with their games it's kind of being implemented by other individuals and nrs definitely took a step out of uh their book in that sense of because uh, i i went i was very fortunate to go there but they have like 64 different cameras to basically scan someone's face and use it and implement it and like put those faces on different bodies and that one of the big reasons as to why they've done that is the visual graphical upgrade another aspect is because as much as i do really enjoy mkx those faces despite being hand sculpted hasn't really aged too well especially with the color you. palette <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You know, uh, I don't. Damn, yeah. Liu Kang looks so fucking garbage. <laughs> yeah, Cassie's the biggest perpetrator for me from X to Eleven. That's a that's a glow up if there's ever been one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Back on the topic of Sub Zero, I mean, this isn't the first time he has changed race. If you look back on Mortal Kombat Two, mm-hmm. you know everybody knows he was played by Daniel Pacina, but. Uh, there's one section I think is one of his endings where he's unmasked and yeah. Josh Tsui from from Insert Coin documentary yes. was playing Sub Zero back then and he's very Asian. <laughs> true. So very yeah, true. yeah. Then yeah. up John Turk 
for the next game. I mean, it's very different looking character. Well, the yeah. the other thing too is the fact that there's an inconsistency there with that character within the game because you look at John Tobias with his artwork for the character, and really the artwork at that time was the only thing that really kept the game tied together, I thought, because, you know, they did switch actors for some of the characters with each installment. So it was the artwork and the portraits of the characters that kind of kept that consistency together. But if you look at his artwork for Sub-Zero and Mortal Kombat 2, and then you look at the comic book, which Mortal Kombat 2 comic book actually had Sub-Zero completely out of his uniform wearing a business suit. And it was funny because he actually looks like uh, the John Turk iteration of Sub-Zero. Mm. So I just found that I found that kind of a neat point that that he looked like a certain way for the comic book. And then within, you know, the game that's made by the same person that did the comic book. They u- utilize the completely different face onto an actor's body. Yes, so <laughs> I think it's a good point to move on to another character also within the Lin Kuei. Oh, oh, oh uh, there, there's one thing I would just like to add is, ironically, despite being you know, of Chinese heritage, Sub-Zero, they've kind of leaned more towards the Japanese. Like in the 3D era, his weapon was the Kori Blade, Kori being Japanese for ice, I believe. Not something in Chinese, and now he's got all these kunai because he's a ninja, but that's Japanese, not Chinese. (laughs) In some ways, he plays more into the the Japanese element than Scorpion, who is actually Japanese. And I feel like like some of the armor is a bit more Japanese in some ways as well. I assume that maybe that comes with, like, this guy has been hanging around with Scorpion for a long time. Maybe some influence was put onto him right there. Um, but but yeah, that's that's one hundred percent correct. I mean, the funniest part to me is that he actually ends up using hammers and axes instead of everything else. Yeah. <laughs> as an assassin. Why well, it's not but, as bad as the troll hammer for Noob Cybot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Noob Cybot's entire character at that point in time was trolly, really. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of uh, the Lin Kuei kidnapping. Yeah. One important member who was kidnapped was Smoke. Now, Smoke got a white background change in MK9, with his background being said to be that he was actually from the Czech Republic, and his name was Thomas Verbada. That was one of my favorite parts of MK9's lore was the reveal of like his real name and things, and like his like kind of like origins because it's always been very very uh vague smoky yeah oh my god I, you know what <laughs> you, I, I was th- i was thinking about that i was thinking about like cloudy smoky i was like wait uh <laughs> I, I i literally didn't want to do it <laughs> he did it i mean was that a, a change or was it a addition to his lore i think it was an addition because i don't recall ever coming up before because smoke he doesn't really ha- it never had much of a character partly because he's always been mind controlled pretty much yeah. So I never really delved into his actual character and backstory. So all we really knew was he was Sub-Zero's friend who got converted. And I'm not even sure if, if MK3 itself mentioned they were friends. That may have just come later. But there was no mention of his nationality prior to 2011, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and also, like, I think it was an additional piece of lore because it, with that, it also kind of explained how he has smoke powers and things in mk9 so yeah it, it's more of a it's more of an added on information because like well like i mentioned and, and snake mentioned as well he's never really been much of a character too much that he hasn't been too too de- too developed before mk9 mm. he still isn't but yeah <laughs> <laughs> and now he's dead 
Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, Sub-Zero does not mention Smoke at all. His best friend, who is not MK11, he just yeah, doesn't it, mention it, him it, at all. It takes Noob bringing it up for him to talk about him. Yeah, I know. It has your friend, Smoke. <laughs> That's some friend you have there, Smoke. <laughs> Don't get to say that name. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Thomas Murbata. Who? <laughs> it's a good addition in the sense, that not just that like it actually sheds further light on Smoke's origins and gives him further like character building. But on top of that, it actually does, in a way, add some representation. Now, I have a Czech friend who was actually really psyched at the fact that Smoke is from the Czech Republic. And he, he said, you know, I, I liked Smoke, but I never cared too much for him. But now that, you know, he's, he's been given this origin, it's actually really cool because I feel like there's a lot more to him and I can sort of relate to him in a way. And I always found that quite interesting. I always saw like the appeal for characters in Mortal Kombat uh, for the characters that they are. It doesn't matter what uh, doesn't matter what race they are or where they're from. I was appealed to the Mortal Kombat characters because of just the characters. Like I relate a lot with Liu Kang. I like Liu Kang a lot. That's my favorite character, but I'm not Chinese. But I understand that uh, if you want to like um, appeal this character to some people, um, just making them more uh, transparent or putting some more transparency on uh, their origins and things and including where they're from is actually very, very, it could be very, very beneficial. With the transparency upon Smoke again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that a genuine question or is that... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the, the best examples of making a character into something more relatable was what they did with Cyrax. So in Mortal Kombat 4 or Mortal Kombat Gold, it was revealed that Cyrax was actually um, a black person underneath his costume. And then we learned yeah. in later Mortal Kombat 9 that he's from Botswana. And, you know, seeing Cyrax in his human form with his dreadlocks and his, like, being Botswanian, uh, it brought in a lot more love for that character that I think, you know, everybody liked Cyber Ninjas before, but at that point it kind of created a new fan base for him. Yeah, I'm still waiting for, like... Like that again. That's one of my favorite things about MK9 was the more was more transparency or just more addition, uh, lore addition to the Cyber Ninjas and uh, Smoke and you know Thomas Thomas Verbata and things like that. And I've always wanted to know like what is uh, Sector's real name? What is uh, Cyrax's real name? I think there was like a leak somewhere that leaked some of the mobile game bios or something like that, and then they. I think Netherrealm came up with a name. I don't think it's real though, but I still really, really like want to know their names and things like that. One thing I found interesting about Sector was was it ever given what his nationality actually is? Japanese, Chinese, Japanese, Chinese. Sure, he's not Japanese. Yeah, because he's the he's the son of the Grand Master of the Lin Kuei and Chinese. Uh, Well, here's the interesting part of it is that in the previous timeline, he relocated the uh the takujin which is a japanese word uh he relocated the takujin to japan if i remember yes uh, yes so i found that really interesting that when he was trying to take over lin kuei he was taking all i the- think that happened in the game boy edition yeah of uh of um, mortal kombat deadly alliance where he tried to take over Japan. Yeah, there's an aspect of that, and then I think that was even repeated in Armageddon. The idea that well, I think I don't yes. I don't know if like the uh, taking over Japan part was. I assume like maybe 
it already happened or like i assume it's still there but the takunin part is still there yeah for sure but yeah i just found that really interesting and that was another aspect kind of getting into the idea that not all the lin Kuei are chinese that they're actually from all over the world and then that gets back to my own concept in my head like i said with uh both sub-zeros not actually being brothers it makes me wonder if he was actually the biological son of the grandmaster or whether he was a child stolen and it's like i'm adopting him to be my heir so that's a good point sector actually had a racial swap also in (laughs) mortal Kombat defenders of the realm he was oh, a God. black character. <laughs> well, he was black. I, I didn't watch yeah. the Avengers yeah. of the Realm. He, he he was black and had dreadlocks, and Cyrax, <laughs> Cyrax Asian. So they basically swapped them around. Yeah, they <laughs> wow, wow, they just full on waffle. Okay. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I did not know. Yeah, that. yeah, and I remember that being weird when uh, what was it? Three years, two, three years later, starting with gold when they actually showed uh, Cyrax as the uh, the black character and it kind of like swapped a little bit i will give defenders of the realms props where they actually did at the time when not, none of the ninjas really had a lot of personality outside of scorpion and sub-zero uh to actually try and give each of them a unique look where i think just about every ninja took their mask off at some point in that show um, even ermac do you remember yeah. ermac's face Yes, like like soul patch in the earring. Yes, that I do remember. I've I've seen that memed. That's what Jared should look like. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, go ahead, make him look that way. (laughs) Assuming it hasn't been killed by one of the twenty-four people. I think the the way Ermac looks is influenced from Jared. So I think I I I I'd, I'd be down for that. I'm just still yeah. surprised by the race swap. I feel like in my head that was done by accident, and they were like, "Shit, shit, we we can't do it now. It's too late. We gotta put it out. We gotta put it out." <laughs> they they didn't intend for them to switch, but they maybe, they, but they realized that they did. So they're like, yeah. "Shit, well, we gotta we, we just put it out there anyways. Who gives a shit?" <laughs> it's like, hey, so uh, this character's from here now, and this character's from here. Wait, did you not watch Defenders of the Realm? Little yeah. did they know that'd be talked on a podcast about 15 years later (laughs) (laughs) they're like shit you made the red one it was supposed to be the yellow one (laughs) you can't just say that bumbling across the finish line is the mk way and always has been (laughs) it is kind of interesting that uh defenders of the realms threshold entertainment was ahead of its time with uh showing both characters with you know different nationalities which we already know they they had inside information from Midway because Defenders of the Realm was the first appearance of Quan Chi. I mean, I, I remember watching Defenders of the Realm and like, well, who the fuck is this guy? You know, I, it was like, it was like, ah, uh, Turner. They're just yeah, yeah. It was one of those. <laughs> so I remember it was like Paul Turner type of character. <laughs> yeah, and I remember just thinking, well, this must be one of their creations. That's fucking stupid. And then uh, Mortal Kombat <laughs> 4 comes out. And I'm like, oh my God. I feel stupid I, now. Well, I, I assumed that maybe like Tobias, because they were being made at the same time. I think Defenders of the Roman mythologies and, and MK4 were being made at the same time. So maybe yeah, it's about, about a year difference. Yeah. So like, I assume that in that year, like Tobias is like, oh, hey, I'm working on this character. 
you can put them in here if you want, or here's some of the ideas I have. I'm pretty sure like I've that. read something that specifically states he did that. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I assume happened. What about the actual, I guess, um, importance of them having their origins sort of stated so clearly? With Sector, for example, it actually ties in very closely to the, his actual story and to the to the Mortal Kombat story. So if we have the Lin Kuei being this clan of Chinese uh, assassin, almost said ninja, Sub-Zero was um, Did you just call me the And N-word? then we have... <laughs> you know, well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like the joke that I made um, when I watched some of the like um, cutscenes from uh, mythologies because Quan Chi would regularly mock uh, Sub Zero as uh, behind as a ninja, even though they're not ninjas. So, like, I always, I, I am no ninja. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I always imagine Beyond, like, did you just call me the N word sorcerer? <laughs> <laughs> and then decades later, he's he's seeking the N word pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finish your point. I'm sorry. I just had to bring that up. Um, I was just gonna say that uh, the importance of Sector actually being said to be. Chinese. Now, whether or not he's actually the son of the Grandmaster of the Lin Kuei or sort of like, in a way, an, ad- an adoptive son, it's, I still feel like it actually has relevance and adds to his character, which I feel is one of the best ways for this sort of influence to be made on the story itself, if you get what I mean. But at the same time, him being his son, does that mean... He was adopted, like kidnapped, like all the others. Or? No, I think he actually is the uh, sector. Is actually the son of the Grandmaster, the yeah. Lin Kuei. I think that's. I, yeah. I think that's actually like what it is. I, I would say he is the son. Like his bio actually specifically states he is the son yeah. of the Grandmaster. I, I feel like if if he was adopted, it would have been mentioned specifically that he was adopted and not just just say son. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would have been mentioned, and that gets into another interesting aspect is because we don't know everything about the Lin Kuei. Is it possible that only the Grandmaster can have biological children so that only his lineage can uh, lead the Lin Kuei? And that's why there's the possibility that, you know, Bai Han and Kwai Liang are not biological brothers, at least in the old canon. That way they wouldn't be able to lay claim to trying to take over the Lin Kuei. Well, in the original uh, timeline, uh, the two brothers were fourth generation Lin Kuei, I believe. That's mentioned in the uh, on the mythology's website that yeah, I, I their father was a Lin Kuei sleeper agent and then yeah. came back to reclaim them. So, you know, maybe. But the, the, I feel like, again, it seems like the kind of thing where if these two were adopted by this Lin Kuei, it would have been mentioned specifically that it was, they were adopted and not just saying they were his sons. Mm. And that point actually ties in very well to what we said earlier about the Lin Kuei I guess having different members from different places because if his if their father was a sleeper agent in America and he was American that would make a lot of sense with that point. I think it also further drives the point of the Lin Kuei's hatred for Japan and having that emphasized in um MK Deadly Alliance in the Game Boy edition where the uh, the where he had the Dakunin take over the, uh, Japan. I think that it just adds more on to the story of the Lin Kuei and the story of Sector and things like that, you know, the Lin Kuei's hatred for Japan. So I think it is important. So if like there's any thought of it not being the case, I think that's kind of ridiculous. It just just curious, what, was there actually this hatred for Japan or just this Shirai Ryu? Well, I think it, it was a commentary of like China versus Japan 
I think that's always kind of been an implied story bit with the mm-hmm. Link Kuei versus the Shiro Ryu was Japan versus China and the Chinese hating the J- Japanese and things like that. And just, just a rivalry there. So I think that's always kind of been there. It's, I don't think it's been explicit, but I know it's kind of been implied a commentary. That could explain somewhat why Sub-Zero is so against being called the ninja. That's a Japanese term. We are not the Japanese. Mm. Yeah, possibly. Just remembering my joke. And then his brother starts using Japanese uh, ninja tools. It's like, like Kuala-Lang, what are you doing? I disown you in every way. Mm. <laughs> it's not as explicit or big, but they kind of still have that uh, element there in MK11. And there, there's an intro where like Sub-Zero's like, we're not ninjas. Stop. <laughs> I think he like clarified like Lin Kuei are not ninjas or something like that. I do find it quite interesting that Sector was given this background of being the son of the Grandmaster when in the previous timeline he actually killed the Grandmaster. He, he does okay. in this one as well. Yeah. Does he? Yeah, yes, he does. That, that's that, totally yeah. my mind. Yeah, he takes over between 2011 and the comic. Ah, yes, yeah. you're right. Yes. Okay. Totally skipped my mind. Yeah, I think okay. that was in his ending, I think. Was in his I ending? Think, or I, think, I think it was, yeah. Because that's yeah. where it's revealed that they were father and son. So that's why he, he killed him. Yeah, yeah. Him okay, totally forgot about that. Wow. Like I said, not just one lore master. <laughs> <in here today. laughs> not to like switch uh, characters that we're talking about, but it is an interesting point because I don't know if we're, we're going to get to this character specifically because there are certain characters where their identities are already solidified. Like, no one's going to question Liu Kang, for instance. Uh, he's obviously Chinese. And same thing with Scorpion. He's obviously Japanese. One of the characters that I find interesting, and there is two different interpretations of this, because you have Threshold Entertainment's attempts to actually give Shang Tsung a, a different backstory than what was within the original timeline. And you have Harry Haruki Tagawa's interpretation of the character. But you look at Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung is a Chinese name. It's Mandarin. In fact, Shang is one of the oldest dynasties within ancient China, yeah. with Tsung being a Mandarin surname. But I find it very interesting that, for example, for the new MK11, they picked Harry Haruki Tagawa to play him, you know, as that nod to the 1995 film. And Harry Haruki Tagawa is Japanese. And obviously, there are different cultures and ethnicities within Asia itself. So there's a a Japanese actor playing a character that is, you could kind of say, of Chinese origin, depending on which backstory you go with. Within the video games themselves, Shang Tsung isn't human, he's a demon, and he takes on a human form. Whereas Threshold Entertainment kind of threw all that away, and even Kariharuki Tagawa has explained throughout a lot of the making of features and interviews that he sees him as, and they, they actually ended up using that in the uh, the TV series, Conquest, where Shang Tsung was a chosen one for Earthrealm, and then he betrayed Earthrealm and yeah. went to Outworld. In fact, I actually prefer that backstory rather than just the, he's a demon and he's always been evil. I, I still kind of miss the demon sorcerer kind of thing. I, I don't think he's a demon demon, but I always kind of miss th- uh, them calling Shang Tsung a demon sorcerer. I, I don't know if that started in the movie or like in the games. But I think it started in the movie, but I still, I miss, mm-hmm. I miss that. I know that John Tobias's original version of Shang Tsung was that he, he was a demon. And there is artwork out there 
to support that. Don't I, quote me on this, but I believe Shinnok's demon form is partially inspired by uh, some of the concept art that they had for Shang Tsung's demon form. Now, one of the things that I, I really find interesting is the idea that Shang Tsung the demon is kind of mocking humanity in a sense because he has a Chinese name, but there, if you look at Karihuruki Tagawa, he's Japanese. So there's kind of like that, that hint that something is off because there are differences between Chinese and Japanese. So there's always that, that idea that there's just something slightly off with the character where you look at him and it's like, well, you're not, you don't look Chinese. You know, there, there's, <laughs> and, you know, it, it kind of sounds odd to say, but. I really like that idea that there's that little hint that he's lying in a sense, that he's he's not who he says he is. And that fits his personality perfectly, I would say, as well. It could still work with his human backstory because he is a shapeshifter. Yes. After all. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I, that's why I'm glad that they went with an Asian actor for the role rather than uh, what happened in Mortal Kombat 3, where because they were trying to keep their budget intact, I believe it was John Turk also played Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat 3. No, I don't think so. I think I think an Asian person actually played uh, Shang Tsung. Oh, in UMK3? Yeah, in MK3. Oh, I was thinking MK2, sorry. No, no, no. In uh, Mortal Kombat 1, same actor that played Liu Kang also played Shang Tsung. And then in Mortal Kombat yeah. 2, they had, I think they had two different actors play, uh, play Liu Kang and Shang Tsung. But yeah, in, they had two different ones. But then by Mortal Kombat 3, it was like, at least before they got into Ultimate, it was like they had like, I don't know, six actors and they played all the roles. So I always found that hilarious at just how how they uh, kind of get around their budget limitations. But it, it was still kind of odd. And I I'm glad that they didn't repeat that after MK3, where they had Caucasian playing an Asian character, because that's a little bit too on the nose that he's not human. Whereas I, I like the subtlety of it with. Terry Haruki Tagawa playing a character with a Chinese name where it's just slightly, slightly inaccurate, just enough to like, if you can really pick up the differences, they're like, this guy, I don't think he's from China. You know, that kind of ties into um, the Mortal Kombat Legacy series. You know, season one, we had the first Shang Tsung actor, which I think was Chinese descent. I'm not sure. But then, of course, in season two, they brought back Carrie for that. And uh, like somebody said earlier, it you know, Shang Tsung being a shapeshifter, it works for kind of every iteration of Mortal Kombat. He can fit into whatever we have out there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, it's a very interesting uh, interpretation, which actually ties into the topic very well. Like that is a different way that, you know, racial or origin influence actually matters here because it actually gives the character something more in the sense that you don't know what's going on with them. And it actually pushes their personality or just general character in a different direction. That's a really cool uh, interpretation. But uh, why why don't we move on from, I guess, well, humans and now possibly demons <laughs> to the Edenians. Now, Edenians as a whole, I'm, I'm very curious to hear everybody's answer specifically to this question. But where in your mind do you feel like Edenians, just the, the actual realm, the people of the realm, what do you think their influence is in terms of origin and design? What do you mean by that? Can you like clarify like like what about their origins? All right. So I, I guess the best way to, to clarify is to answer it myself first. Now, to me, the Edenians, I've always felt have been very Persian inspired. Okay. 
I've always felt like the actual realm itself and the people, I guess the way of doing things, etc., were very Persian inspired. Ah, uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, are you asking if I agree with that or not? No, I mean, what what do you think of uh, the the actual? Realm oh itself, no, well, in, in your opinion, well, first, yes, I kind of agree because I, I don't think Atana's had a lot of the Persian things. She has a little bit, I think, maybe in Deadly Alliance. I I forget which game there was a little bit of Persian influence with Katana's design. I really, really forget. But I remember I know some Persian uh, influence has been associated with Katana just a little bit. I know it's definitely there with Rain. But I always saw Adenia as very diverse. I always just saw them as, well, they're they're humans, but like, well, uh, they're humans, but like they're they're kind of like special because, of course, they're from a different realm and things like that. But I always saw them as a very, very diverse culture because you look at Katana, she's Asian. If you look at like maybe Sindel, uh, if, assumingly Sindel is also Asian. Jade um, is not Asian, but she's black. So she could be from the Middle East. She could be, uh, well, she's, she's just black. So, so, so that, that's, that just adds on to the diversity. And so I always just saw Edenia as a very, very diverse realm. I don't think it's always been a one specific thing. Yeah, for me, Edenia is kind of like Earth. You know, there's different Yeah, because they're humans, kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they, they all have different backgrounds, different origins, different ethnicities, Edenian ethnicities. But as far as like where they get their influence from i i think it varies from character to character with, with jade and tanya there's definitely um some middle eastern influence like you look you look at uh jade's outfit in deception specifically it's mm-hmm. i'm not sure what about maybe turkish or so because it looks somewhat like, like what you might expect a belly dancer to wear type thing and then with tanya there's definitely some i, I guess egyptian influence yeah there's uh, tanya is very yeah. very egyptian and then you got uh like well Katana's one of those characters people argue about till the cows come home because some people, so a lot of people got mad when she was Asian in Eleven, but I looked at that and said, well, I thought she always was. Because uh, in my mind, Katana, like the, the base image of Katana is MK3. Well, there's always, it's always been a like a debate. And I think you can do either one, honestly. It, I, yeah. I don't, so I think you could expect that, um, that Katana could be like, uh, has some sort of Hispanic influence. Because of Talisa Soto, and I, I know a lot of people may have interpreted Katana as um, Hispanic or something like that, or she just has some Hispanic influence because of Talisa Soto. And I think she was played by a Latina actress in the arcade era. So in MK2, at least she was. Yeah. I think I think it was Asian in three. So yeah, let's, say in yeah. Three. Yeah. let's stay on the topic of Katana then history. What do you think? Well, I think because with kind of the realms as a whole it's, itself, I've always considered them like a, a slight mirror and like somewhat parody of our world itself, of that being Earth realm. So there's always like different takes and different mm-hmm. approaches. I mean, you literally have a guy who can snap his neck back and forth just to give you an idea of like the ridiculous nature of it. <laughs> but I've always considered like Edenia like a mirrored world, a, a mirrored heavenly world of what earth is in that sense because you know garden of eden it's in its name so mm-hmm. i've never yeah. considered it to be like part of just like this one region right so i don't imagine it's one region just made up of multiple different races but just like a whole world in itself that's composed of different races and of different people and those of different heritage 
which they kind of all do come from. It makes a little bit more sense in that, right? Because it explains why, you know, why Jade looks different to Tanya, why Tanya looks different to Katana, why uh, Sindel even looks different to Katana now. You know, like there's different visual features and different origins that somewhat allow a diverse race, despite the worlds be well, despite Earthrealm and Edenia being quite literally two worlds apart. Yeah, I feel like that kind of better explains it. Yeah, Sindel wears so much makeup. I can't even imagine trying to assign an ethnicity to to uh, to be based on but anything but yeah. her skin tone. <laughs> so I've kind of always like I've always kind of been shaky on the Sindel part. She seems Caucasian. <laughs> Yeah, but there's some Asian mm, yes. influence in it. Well, yeah, I think it's just I think it's whatever Katana is is what Sindel is as well. Yeah, but see that that's interesting because MK11 you have okay. I know that it's been mentioned that uh, many people here found Katana to always be Asian. To me, actually, when I said that Edenia was Persian, I meant more Middle Eastern. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But I do agree with the concept of it being you know a mirroring world with you know people people of all different sort of Edenian ethnicities. But Kitana, to me, was specifically one of those Persian-influenced characters. And I find it very, very interesting in MK11. I, myself, am not a fan of the fact that she is now Asian-influenced. I've always thought she's Persian, as I mentioned. But what's funny is that King Jared and, in my opinion, Queen Sindel, both don't actually look Asian. Mm, uh... Yet Kitana does look so quite heavily. I think you could... I don't know. I, I, I think she... Sindel kind of looks like I think you can make it work. Oh, definitely. There's some there's features in it, most certainly on a visual basis. But I don't know in terms of overall presentation. I think she comes across as far more Caucasian, which is very strange considering Jared's appearance yeah. and how Katana's heritage. You know, it, it's a bit of a weird one. I feel like there has always been yeah. some Japanese influence, specifically with Katana. I mean, originally she was going to, if you see in the original notes for the MK1 story, she was going to be uh, Princess Kitsune, which is obviously Japanese. Japanese. Um, mm. And then it, it, maybe her name comes from Katana uh, for the final game. I mean, that's not 100% because she was originally supposed to be Shang Lao's daughter mm-hmm. when that was Shang Tsung. So yeah. is, is, the series kind of always had this almost just a generalized image of Asia as, as like one whole conglomerate, it seems. Yeah. Which mm. you know whether or not that's appropriate, yeah, it's up to you. But but it, it there's definitely always been some heavy Asian Asian influence over the whole series. I think Katana is one of those. I mean, even the logo. Being from another realm, you can afford to mix and match clothing and architecture and and cultures and things with different physical features. Because like a person uh, dressed like they're from Japan doesn't mean they're Japanese, you know. Yeah, well, Sh- Shao Kahn has a samurai helmet, and no one ever look at him and say, "Well, he's clearly Japanese." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't Adenia itself have, in some of the endings, have kind of like Greek style architecture in the background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It fluctuates from game to game. It's a shame we don't really get to go there very much to get a, a firm idea of what it looks like. That's why I've only had like three stages set there across the entire franchise. Yeah. Uh, what was Rain's father's name? The uh, the god oh, Argus. 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 Yes. Argus. And that has. That kind of feels like that has some Greek connotations. Yeah, because that was um, Armageddon was where like the Greek mythology influence started. Yeah. Or that's when they, that's what they, that's the I'm, first kind of like Greek influence. Like with the demigods and such. Yeah. yeah. Which seems like more very, very mm. common in, in Greek mythology. And Argus certainly has uh, very Caucasian features. I mean, he's so Caucasian, his hair's white. 
(laughs) (laughs) What I kind of wonder is because there is so much history and mythology to the series and there's a lot of conflicting a lot of conflicting information because you're looking at all the different writers and even the errors of the games themselves but i i kind of wonder with um how they're expanding the universe and going about um diversifying a lot of the characters which is something i actually like because we have what like 90 90 established characters now within the mortal Kombat universe and we have representation of characters from different origins but i kind of wonder if the idea is well first off i i do agree with uh some of you regarding adenia that it's not just one culture and that there's different cultures within adenia because to go and say that it's only one culture that kind of gets into that um lazy star trek element where you and even star wars where it's like well we have one planet with one environment and one culture you know it's that that's yeah. lazy writing whereas mortal Kombat seems to kind of be trying to branch out and make it a little bit more realistic with representation and i always kind of wondered if some of they're trying to go about where earth culture is influenced by other realms and that uh oh, cool. even though we have the elder gods is the idea that uh some of our ancient cultures had um had relations with some of these realms so you have like the greeks and the middle east and they were uh on relations with say adenia and um that some of our ancient cultures were inspired by these other realms and that's why you see a crossover of earth cultures and little hints and pieces of their of their clothing their architecture and that's where we got a lot of that influence from Now, I don't know if maybe they'll go that route in the future or if it was already established, but I do find that to be an interesting way of looking about why there's certain influences, characters that, you know, like like Rain, for instance, like there's obviously influences from Earth culture, especially with his his newest appearance. So is that possible that uh his culture interacted with earth at some point there is some of that in the in the mkx comic with kotal because he went to earth realm as a rite of passage and he ended up at, in a mayan civilization yes and then they decided to worship him as a god so i, I because it mentions a rite of passage it suggests that more of the the Oztec have done that in the past so they seem to have influenced the mayan civilization so it does, it does seem entirely likely that that is the case. We just don't hear about many instances of it. I completely forgot about Mexico Con when we started preparing <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if there's like one more thing that I will add on Katana is that, you know, like um, I feel like making Katana Asian, I, I feel like some people could interpret that as being too stereotypical. Like, well, she's a ninja, so she's kind of have to be Asian. But I feel like I, I feel like that's not I feel like that's to me, that doesn't bother me, but I can see why it could. And I can see why people would like, uh, you know, Latina Katana, because it makes her more interesting that she's kind of like the first Latina kind of Edenian out there or Edenia, Latina looking Edenian looking person in Mortal Kombat. So I, I feel like it could make Katana a little bit more interesting if she was more Talisa Soto. Well, um, giving 
giving to Lisa Soto the the role of Katana brought a lot of representation to the Philippines. Yeah, so I mm. I, f- I feel like to Lisa Soto uh, Katana is could could be is 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 very 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 important. I'd like to drop a couple of points on Argus. Actually, we we raised uh, his character earlier. Now you mentioned the Greek influence. Do you know of Argos Panoptes from the Greek mythology? I am such an old country swine. Uh, I I do not. <laughs> I've heard I've heard of the I've heard of the Argo the ship, but that's as far as it goes. I've heard of Argo the yeah. movie. All right, well, I've heard of the Argonauts. <laughs> Panoptes. Okay, <laughs> you're all close. <laughs> All right. In Greek mythology, Ar- Argos Panoptes is the many-eyed giant. Now, Panoptes is basically all-seeing, right? And here with Argus, I think we can sort of see the similarities in the sense that he is, he, firstly, he's a god, right? Now, he's all-seeing. He's Argus. He's the god. And he and Delia, his wife, saw uh, a, like a prophecy for what was going to happen with Armageddon, yeah. right? Now, Delia is quite important here as well, because Delia is actually a Greek name. Delia is from the island of Delos, or Delos um, which is the island of Apollo and Artemis. Now, Apollo is the god of multiple different things, including, you know, archery, music. But one important thing here is truth and prophecy, which relates right back to Argus and Delia. And I find the, the Greek influence here quite interesting and also obviously quite vital to their characters because it actually really helped along the plot and you can see the inspiration that their characters and these origins had on them and the story itself yeah no it isn't the first time they've pulled influence from stuff like that because i'm actually i'm in the process of talking about a very similar topic funny enough that involves it like uh the one being for uh, example is actually influenced by a Chinese titan called Ponku. Yeah, and it's very Chinese inspired. Yeah, so the, there's a lot of origins and ties from that of how when the deity died, he left his body as like the ground and like his breath as the wind and his eyes as the sun and the moon and how, you know, gave birth to other god that would then basically bear humans and life from his uh, the remains of his body and his body would become the playground of which uh, humans could roam. Like there's a lot of influence of that, and they always like pull these like different ideas. Although like they're not as super super direct, but there's definitely a lot of influence from old mythologies that they do actually bring in, which is pretty neat. In all honesty, funnily enough, uh, Panku mm. is mentioned in the 1994 Jeff Rovin novel as one of the gods. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's a fun little tidbit of information as well. And uh, also, I, I like how you tied the Titans back and everything history. Thanks for that. <laughs> I think we're all against the yeah, Titans. Yeah, <laughs> no, thank you, please. Dude, now that, that's some of the Greek influence that I wish didn't make it into the story. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it went a little bit too overboard in uh, MK11. I just no, please don't do the Titans again. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, in the past, it was all brought together quite subtly. I feel, and in a very cool and. I mean, the creative way, whereas in MK11, it was done very heavy handedly. I just don't think galactic level beings really work in a fighting game. I'm not going to lie. I think think it's pretty courageous. (laughs) Yeah. I just, no. I think (laughs) even the one being in itself, I think just works better as a concept than an actual idea. Because I'm just like, how far do we go past that line? Yeah, even the one being, you yeah. could say that was the, I mean, I don't think it was, because I think John Vogel said that he didn't know, but. I remember when the one being was revealed in the in Deception, some people brought up to John Vogel that 
was this inspired from the MK movie novel? Because there's something in the MK movie novel that kind of mentions the one being or something on the scale of the one being basically just mentioning the one being just, just kind of like a, just a subtle thing. And he said he had no idea. So you could say like, it kind of started with the, with the MK movie. Um, novelization. Yeah. yeah, I took that that uh, the one beam was just influenced by uh, Chinese mythology. Well, it, it was. Yeah, I think it, that was it, the it is. Yeah, um, that was one of the things that I liked about mm. the the Jeff Rovin novel was the fact that he actually did study uh, Chinese history and he actually yeah. studied a lot of like really random aspects. It's really old 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 chinese mythology and culture yeah yeah i think even in that raiden was actually uh he used the chinese concept that a lot of the gods weren't actually gods but were mortals that became immortal by questing up a certain mountain and uh through their devotion to the gods had actually obtained immortality which was a concept that i wish they had brought into the the video game because i like that version of raiden but yeah the the whole panku one bean aspect of that i always just took uh the one bean to be that they were moving towards that but it is kind of nice that there was something to predate it so you had more of an idea on what it could actually represent well fighting up the mountain thing doesn't that relate kind of back to armageddon with mm-hmm. tave and dagon on the quest yeah yeah and just even even just the pyramid itself as a another possible influence but yeah i think taven and dagon is a great mm-hmm. example of that <laughs> with i guess mentioning taven and dagon let's go back to the their half brother rain uh we've we've seen a lot of different uh designs for him over the years and i've my i myself have always felt that his design has been quite middle eastern influenced quite heavily so actually with his armageddon mm-hmm. outfit his mk9 sort of veil his mkx crown and general design, and then with MK11, the addition of the Qatar, as well as just the overall themes in terms of all of his mm-hmm. designs. Yeah, yeah. But there was a huge debate recently about Rain on whether or not he was, you know, previously white and is now black, or if he's always been Middle Eastern. Well, you can be Middle Eastern and black. True. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like one thing I find very, I guess, irritating about. Uh, how in certain places in the world, mostly the West, it's that it seems to only be you can either be white or black. And there's a lot in between. And I feel that just saying whether a character is white or a character is black is just very, very basic. Now, with certain characters, I, I mean, with Rain, to me, for example, is brown. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's a, a, a shade of brown that I would say, like, okay, saying he's from the Middle East, somebody from the Middle East can be as white as somebody from, say, England. (laughs) And even then in England, you get all types of shades, right? But somebody from the Middle East can be whiter than, you know, the wall next to me or darker than my mouse pad. (laughs) That's also the same as as somebody who's uh, Hispanic from Mexico. There's literally like white looking Mexicans out there. So like, yeah, I... I, Exactly. They're, they're, yeah. it's even not, it's Asia. not black. It's not, yeah. Yeah. To, even in Asia. Um, yeah. Even typically in Asia. when you yeah. go around China, basically the north half of Asia typically has to have a brighter, more Caucasian white skin tone. But as you go deeper down, it comes like to the Mediterranean around Thailand, Laos, and that area, due to the humidity and like, you know, just how the heat is, how the sun glares, 
Uh, you can actually get typically very darker skin tones. So you will actually come across some uh, Oriental people who actually have like a black, uh, black pigmented skin. That's actually how I always pictured mm. Jade to be from that area personally yes, totally agree it's, it's definitely not between just like you can only either be white or black there's definitely there, there's uh, there's a lot more i put like it's kind of like picking ice cream right you can either pick the same two flavors or you can take a look at the rest of the board and see if like, there's actually way more way way more than this only two you're picking right now that's the best analogy I've, also I've heard so far crazy ice cream. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> <laughs> but one thing is that obviously you need to look at more than just say color of skin and such right and that's why i feel that certain other aspects are quite important now as we've mentioned with the 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 outfits and stuff now in mk11 he has the addition of his new weapon the qatar which indian, is actually yeah. an indian weapon yeah and not only that it it relates back to you know sort of significance of uh, class mm-hmm or status, really. And you can see these sorts of different themes which come along with the character's origins, right? Which all sort of add to that character. But then on top of that, there was a specific character I wanted to bring up. Now, I, I guess if you haven't finished Rain's uh, ending in Mortal Kombat 11, maybe yeah. watch it before you get to this. Uh, yeah, we're all okay good. With this. Oh, yeah. They are, they've been out for a while. Yeah. All right. Okay, so uh, Rain's mother is finally revealed. And her name is revealed to be Amara, a name with multiple possible origins. Uh, we have Latin, where it means everlasting, Greek, where it's unfading, African, where it's grace, Arab, sweetheart or dear, uh, and then Indian, eternal, imperishable. And it's, it's very interesting to see that maybe they're just drawing from all these different sort of aspects, even in one character. Well, I think that also just goes, uh, goes to show that Adenia has always been very, very diverse. And, and being from a different realm, you can, and Adenia specifically, but like, you know, just being in a different realm in general, but we're, we're talking about here Adenia, you can mix and match kind of uh different ethnicities and ethnic uh, ethical uh influences in a character but they don't have to be tied they're but they're not tied to one thing of course you really can't because they're a dinian but mm. uh from a different realm and made up realm but i think that goes to show that how how like the 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 diversity in in Adenia, so <laughs> <laughs> it's very obvious that where they've drawn their influences from, because the the thing is, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, right? Of it being a much larger world, and that there's just it's not just simply just these two different things. If it's an entire world, then it explains the difference mm. of heritage and how maybe in this Adenian world, as it is described to be, that maybe all cultures and influences have merged into one maybe they've never expanded or touched on that and maybe the reason they've never actually expanded or touched on that is because it's never been an issue right maybe they just all live in harmony with each other regardless of region and i think what also goes to like because i feel like rain is the perfect antithesis of a character who's kind of like the perfect patriot taken to in an extreme manner of he's very proud of his heritage not because he's born of the heritage but he is of royal blood, so he feels entitled to what's already there. So he's proud of his heritage, not because he's born from it, but he's like, I'm better than you. I'm going to tell you all I'm better than you, and then I'm going to show you why I'm better than you. I mean, it even comes through in his colors and his designs, right? Uh, a royal crisp, like mm. uh, Greek gold 
it's shown in his design a royal purple to show divinity, heritage, and you know, just like wealth. I feel is one of the really, really strong things. And he exuberates it through his communication, through how he he designs. Like it, it, even in his costumes, he has like a Greek god-based costume, which is completely unique to the rest of the roster. Who are do unfortunately in some cases get a little bit bogged down by the palette swaps but it's it's very very clear there and it exuberates his very larger than life persona and his uh birthright yeah not bad, not bad for a guy who started out as literally a joke about yeah. prince yeah, yeah. <laughs> come a long way come a long long way so within the television and and movie and entertainment industry you know we've seen a lot of characters make the way from being on print into becoming on movies. And there are quite a lot of people in the redheaded community that complain about uh, characters becoming uh, black characters that used to be previously redhead in previous media. Um, So my question is, I mean, do you guys feel like Mortal Kombat has had any character that has significantly changed their race to something that excludes who they previously were or who or it, change the race in a way that doesn't contribute to their storyline in in the games or like across media like oh either way yeah because ermac had darker skin originally i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. just suddenly yes. that was changed uh then then you have jade where it's just to flip a coin every time they make a new game yeah <laughs> yeah with the mk mobile they whitewashed her i don't know why <laughs> it's just no mk no no mk mobile went uh she yeah, was yeah, they, they, yeah. MK mobile i think yeah, the, the malibu the malibu comics in the 90s did the same thing mm-hmm. they they had a very uh first skin close to katana even oh, though yeah. i'm pretty sure in the game i'm pretty sure in the game she was always darker skinned mm-hmm. yeah yes she always was it's strange she she's gone through some very weird changes actually because uh, as as you said flip a coin in in deception to me she felt indonesian i would say uh, in in terms of a specific sort of influence and then each game after that or even before that she's always looked something different right and then you as we just said as well mk mobile it it just it's keeps inconsistent changing over and over even if you can, even with yeah. some characters were if you can identify them still as the same race overall it still changes all like jack's skin tone has changed quite a lot over the last four games or so it's, it's very different especially in uh, 2011 it, it's it's yeah. a weird thing yeah the th- the, i feel like the thing with Jax that makes it different is that we he, yes that might be changing i guess just in terms of possible like art style choices etc but we all know consistently yeah. Yeah. his origin we, we, we know, know what he's, i mean you know african-american or black like just there's just no question whether or not like he's brown or black or anything he's just he's, just, he's black <laughs> mm-hmm. it's more more a question of whether he will be yeah. written that way or if he'll have some nuance to his character because sometimes <laughs> there isn't I, I, i'll take yes, homeboy says Jax. <laughs> no, I, I'm thinking of uh, Deadly Alliance's. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that's the peak of it. Like you'll never top that. <laughs> totally not. To, totally not a commentary on black and yellow. You know, it's just you know, it's just, it's just, no. That was not subtle at all. <laughs> I, I think with Jackson, a lot of the other characters, you know, a lot of that depends on where their actors are from or where their face models are, come, are from because. As we've seen with Jax, I mean, he's gone through so many iterations and so many various people portraying him that it's affected his look in each game, um, which mm. which isn't the same as with Jade, who they've just kind of tweaked 
their their look on each game. Do you know what I mean? I don't even. Think, <laughs> I wouldn't say tweaked for Jade. I would just say like completely. Well, well they made her whole Asian, new. They made her like, Asian in the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah. like Jade originally, you know, she was just a palette swap, and they palette swapped the skin tone too. Um. So I mean, yeah. you know, they've kind of tweaked where they what they looked like from from their palace swaps and stuff like that. But but Jax has always been an individual actor who has kind of changed how they've looked throughout each game. Yeah. To be fair, though, I think that that ties into what was mentioned earlier, where no actual design choice for a character remains the same across all the games. I, I don't I can't I can't quote it, but I feel like I've read something where an employee of NRS has said, we always try to do something different with each character in the following game because we don't want to just stick to one thing. We always want to just try and change it up slightly whilst trying to maintain somewhat some little consistency. Um, now, I don't feel that much yeah. of that consistency <laughs> has actually remained. <laughs> but I can see why. Wow, what kind of impact does that have on changing a character throughout each game? Oh, no, I think, well, to me, to me, I think, like, whether, like, whether uh, Jade it has Middle Eastern influence, it, it doesn't really matter, like, what um, influence she has, but as lo- I think as long as she's, like, black, I think that's very important, and I don't think, I think if you change that, that's very, very, uh, I, I don't think that's good, because Jade is the first black um, female fighter in a fighting game, and I think that's very, very important, and to kind of, like, change her just change her to asian or change her to white um i think that's just not 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 as well not just no just don't do that (laughs) i never realized she was the first one yeah she was yeah and then thinking about it there aren't many in general well there's a few but like yeah but but like jade is the the first one so i think that's very very important you know like i think i think black panther is the first black marvel (laughs) hero i think but i i don't i, I think he is I'll take a look. I, I think he is but like i i don't think it helps that i don't actually consider jade the first black i, I don't i just don't I, consider jade black yeah, i consider her stop. indonesian or black is a skin color so you can be yeah. you know you can be black from jamaica you can be black from uh puerto rico you, there's there's different things just as i think as long as she's black oh yeah no i think that's good it's it like just re- it relates back to what i was saying earlier about how i don't think it's just white or black well, yeah yeah, I yeah. Like I mean, I, that's why too. i said it you doesn't I mean? really matter yeah. like where like specifically she's from just as long as she's like black i think it, yeah dark skin yeah. somewhat darker skin basically yeah 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 i'm with yeah, you on that i still like jacks as well like i was saying like his, his tone has changed quite a bit between the uh, various games but it's still because he'll easily identify him as black, so it's not like it. It's not like when yes, Jade, because it was such a stark difference. It's very clearly not anything like what she was before. So, or same with Ermac, but then Ermac, no one cared for whatever reason. But yeah, uh, with Jax, there's always at least a basic level of consistency there. So it's not a huge deal. It's just one of those things where you look at and go, it's kind of weird, but you can <laughs> forgive it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, Brosk, you were actually right with Black Panther, by the way. Appeared in Fantastic Four uh, 52 on July 1966. Yeah, I knew it was Originally conceived by Jack Kirby as actually Cole Panther, the Black Panther at first. Yeah, so if you, like, change Black Panther to where he's, like, white or something or Asian, yeah, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, at this point, if you were to change any one of ethnic diversity... I, it, it's, it's a kind of a, a, a 
red flag. Yeah. The black a red flag, to say the least. Yeah. yeah, that's why I said, like, you know, with Jade, you know, she can be, you can have African-American influence in there. You can have Jamaican influence. You can have Puerto Rican influence or Middle East influence. Just as long as she's black, I think, yeah. just the skin color, dark skin, I think that's just very, very important. I think it comes down to mm. also exposure of the character, because yeah. if you were around during, like, the older days of, like, the arcade days where you saw her in, like, a, a different skin tone and color, like, that's how you knew Jade. I knew Jade from seeing her in Deception. So that was my introduction to Jade. That's how I've always seen Jade. You know, it's just yeah. not of Eastern Asian yes. influence. So it's just one of those things. It's a weird inconsistency. What if they were to take a, mm. like a sub character, like a, a not as popular white character and change their skin tone? <laughs> how would you guys feel about that? Cobra. <laughs> yeah. Cobra. <laughs> I, I, I would not generally like be a fan. You know, it, it just depends on like how... Like, because with me and the diversity, it's generally like, in what way does it kind of benefit the character in that sense? Like, with when when I talked about Rain, of course, you know, that there's a lot of his heritage that's like, it's clearly a part of his character. Whereas with Sub-Zero, it's just like, it's a small strand of a much bigger picture because he isn't defined by his heritage and his birthplace. He's defined by the Lin Kuei. Um Yeah. Rain is defined by his bloodline because it's tied to his heritage. Like, um, even I would say, like a character, Liu Kang, whilst clearly Oriental, very heavily inspired by Bruce Lee, isn't a character that's defined as a character from China from his own perspective because he doesn't identify as it, but he represents strong aspects of Oriental culture. And it isn't so much by choice, but it's just who he is as a person and a character, right? Because the impact that Bruce Lee had with what he had in the East and brought over to the West basically helped propel him into a po- into a point of like uh, it was a cultural impact. You know, one person had a huge cultural impact on how the West then saw like Eastern influences. And whilst there was the stereotype of oh Oriental people and you know what they are doing martial arts, like Bruce Lee really capitalized that somewhat stereotype, but transformed it into a positive manner. You know, made it like a real strong part of Eastern culture. So there's like there's different parts like that. Okay. There's there's also the aspect of uh, when you look at the various movies, and uh, of course we have a a new movie. And one thing I was going to get at is, like I mentioned earlier, I love the fact that they're actually branching out, diversifying some of the characters. And a lot of the characters that were originally palette swaps, they're actually putting the work in to establish these characters with certain ethnicities, certain cultures that they're attributed to. And we've seen over the years, um, and this ties into a few different few different points, but when you look at the original 1995, you had Raiden played by a Frenchman. You had an American playing a character that's Japanese, being Scorpion. You had a uh, another French martial artist play Sub-Zero. And one of the things with, with that is I always look at uh how you know what the purpose of the character is so when you look at the original 95 movie scorpion and sub-zero they don't really use their storylines they're just henchmen for shang Tsung. and at that point threshold entertainment uh, and you gotta go to as much as everyone probably despises this uh if you look at mortal Kombat, the journey begins the the cartoon <laughs> movie 
they had a completely different origin story for Sub-Zero and Scorpion with uh, both of them belonging to clans that existed in Outworld. Now, it looks like they eventually discarded that, at least partially, for uh, Mortal Kombat Conquest, uh, though the TV show did connect it more where the Lin Kuei kind of served Shang Tsung in a sense. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, but in the 95 movie, I didn't find it as big of a deal that uh, these two ninjas were being played by uh, non-Asian actors because they, for the purpose of the story, they never established that they were uh, Earthrealm characters, at least when you only look at the 95 movie. Whereas as the, the story is kind of developed and they actually gave them proper origin, um, I'm happy that the newer movie has decided to hire Asian actors to fill those roles. Like, um, even looking at something like Mortal Kombat Legacy, where they finally did show a variation of Scorpion and Sub-Zero's intertwined storyline, if they had done the same thing as what they had done in the 1995 movie, that would have really came off as awkward. Uh, and I still to this day, I really don't know how I how I actually see Raiden because Christopher Lambert's casting in the 95 movie i think was more a um marketing move i want to say it was marketing due to his success in highlander and he uh he seemed to be very popular in france so kind of getting certain actors veteran actors to to fill in certain roles like well they kept that going too with uh conquest when they got james meek to come in yeah yeah and there's uh Threshold Entertainment kind of had their own established uh, mythology in terms of how they saw the character, which, I mean, we're at the point now where, you know, Conquest is the the last the last installment within Threshold Entertainment's Mortal Kombat library. That was 22 years ago. Since then, the the entire series has kind of moved forward and there's new interpretations of the characters, especially uh, when they rebooted it nine years ago. So. With the upcoming movie, they're actually showing a lot of the characters uh, based around their origin. So you have a, a Japanese actor playing Scorpion. You have a Japanese actor playing Raiden. You have a Chinese actor playing Shang Tsung. So I, and you got C.C. Stringer, though, playing Melina, which a lot of people are kind of upset about that because she is um, Australian origin, but she's more dark skinned. Yeah, that's but that. That again, it, it gets in. Well, see, I'm like, if you want to do that, then make Katana the same way, but they're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of I think. <laughs> All they will, and they'll have Jade be the princess. I guess I can sort of piggyback off of what Brandon was saying. I guess, how do we feel about them using actors of different origins aesthetic uh, looks uh from their actual characters so now in this day and age how would people feel about say christopher lambert playing raiden at this point in time i don't think people would mind nowadays i I mean like i think um i think people should understand that raiden could look like anyone i know like raiden like uh raijin is like a japanese and things like that so you could so if you if you want to make him look japanese you can but if you want to make him look like Lambert or like how he's in the games, which is kind of unclear, but 
you know, if you want to do that, I think it's fine. And also, I think people understand that, you know, he's he's Lambert. Lambert is the original Raiden or the person who kind of brought him to life. At the same time, though, we're currently in a society where people are quitting their voice acting jobs because they're not playing the correct race. And yeah. so I, I think that's a very problematic <laughs> thing. I, honestly, I think because like your voice is supposed to be different, like you're supposed to act like it's different when it's different when you're like on screen. Um, But um, your voice is supposed to be somebody you're not. I, I so, know you can also say the same thing for actors, but that's you're seeing somebody you're trying to sound like you're not the person. So what you're saying is your tr- actors should pretend like there's somebody that they're not. <laughs> well, I mean, like that's what, well, uh, no, like, like, okay. So if I wanted to like voice a black guy, I would have to do a black guy voice. I think that's, I, I don't think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I, I know it is a problem because some voice actors are kind of like doing that. And I've seen a lot of feedback saying like, I don't think this is what we mean by equality. Yeah, I, I, I that's no. the general that's the channel that's your general response like okay thank you I know what you're trying to do but that's mm, we're not gonna go that far that's the general mm-hmm. response that I've seen even from people who are black and of uh you know just just of the people that they're uh of the people that they're like not trying to portray anymore well, it's kind of political correctness taken to an extreme at the moment and when that happened, it was during, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. Yeah, so it was kind true. of it was kind of like it, it's kind of like a response to that. But even then, response came pretty immediately. Like, OK, this isn't what we mean by, you know, like uh, doesn't exactly help the like cause. That. Yeah, like that. it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we were to go that way, then Christopher Judge, for example, who played Kratos in God of War. I mean, are we going to say that he couldn't have played somebody who's not black like that? He's an amazing of, of, of Phil Lamar. Or Phil Lamar, yeah. Amazing voice yeah, actors. As Aqu- Aquaman, uh, and, and you can argue Kotal as well. Is he necessarily fit for them based on his yeah. race? Well, if you ignore the race and focus on the performance, he's damn good in those roles. Mm-hmm. So yeah. everything else should not matter. Exactly. What matters is the performance. He's damn good. Let him stay. But people just don't look at things in a rational way anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to bring up uh, a couple points because um, first off, there are, when it comes to Mortal Kombat, there are individuals that know Mortal Kombat only because of the 1995. Yeah. And, and they know that it's based on a video game, but have not played it. And without naming the uh, YouTube channel, because I don't want to give them any traffic, uh, they, there was a channel that did a video after the, uh, the casting announcement for the new movie. And of course, they um, because the movie is trying to get a lot of actors of various Asian cultures to play Asian characters, or at least what you would imagine some of the characters to be like, for example, Raiden, even in the entire video game series, he's never been distinctly portrayed as Japanese. Uh, In fact, I kind of wonder if not only because they're trying to be ambiguous with the idea that he is a god, so he doesn't necessarily represent certain ethnicity a certain origin but i also wonder if that's kind of like a a legacy concept where they're being respectful to carlos piscina who originally played raiden and uh we're just trying to keep kind of like that uh that element to it where they they just kept that going but there was a channel when the movie casting was announced and you know they made a huge deal about how raiden was played by a white guy in the 95 movie and oh 
lo and behold, they have a Japanese guy playing this character and they're trying to claim that Raiden was a white character and now they're they're doing it for diversity reasons. And they're like, well, by the way, I've never played any of the video games. I've only seen the, the original movie. <laughs> and I, without putting words in their mouth, I almost swear they, they were making a huge deal about Sub-Zero and Scorpion being played by Asian oh, actors. Fuck. I don't, yeah, I, it, it was really weird. Really That's weird. weird. And I... <laughs> It was like it was like watching it was like Much watching a car accident. That sounds strange. <laughs> it, it's like that was on fire and at four puppies. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so so there's that aspect to it where there probably are gonna be some people out there that take offense to the idea that these characters are gonna be portrayed the way they actually should be portrayed. Uh, I don't have really one way or another in terms of like who should play Raiden. Uh, I do like the idea that he is going to be Japanese because it connects into the mythological origins of where the character stems from. Because, you know, the character is based on Raijin, which if I understand it correctly, if I still remember some of my Japanese history... Uh, Raijin was the original demon name of the character that when he can converted to Buddhism, he actually changed the thing to Raiden. So uh, I don't know what the entire story behind that was, but Raiden is a uh, a Japanese god. So the idea that he would be played by a Japanese man, I kind of like the idea that that connects into actual uh, Japanese Oh, yeah, I don't think it hurts. It, I don't think it hurts to have him be Japanese, but then again, at at the same time, you know, it, you're um um like in the uh in the games, it doesn't like specifically state that, but we just know that's that was the inspiration. So I feel like yeah. I feel like if you want to do Lambert Raiden again, which unfortunately they're not going to do, and the closest thing we got is of course MK11 recently. Um but still, like if they wanted to do Lambert Raiden, you can say, well, you know, it's not specifically really even stated in the game. So if you want to go to like, so if you want to like, uh, like go back and look at the origins, it's not really that clear. You're you're just going off of like what inspired the name and things like that. Um, but him being but him being Japanese again, it's just it's, it doesn't hurt at all to me. And and what what would really make me happy is uh, like, for example, if they were repeating the same same decisions for this new movie, if they're going to get a Caucasian to play Raiden, it, it, it's got to be because of the acting quality. Like for me, I really loved uh, Christopher Lambert's uh, interpretation of Raiden. I, I love his those. voice. <laughs> like I just it, it's and it, it comes down to the same thing with uh, Kerry Haruki Tagawa because he's such a thespian that you know he in, he lives that role like it's just so easy for him i guess to just you know put on his uh his wardrobe and like walk out and he's able to just live and breathe as shang sung and for christopher lambert like i loved his voice and that brought a certain angle to raiden that you know i just wouldn't expect like uh but i can't i can't just say like uh just throw a white guy in to play Raiden because they did that in Annihilation with James Ramar and it just didn't work. It was a new look. You know, like, yeah, like, like, like yeah, God. And it, let me tell you something. That decision was completely fucked when they decided to make him mortal because that was the perfect opportunity to give him his video game outfit. And they completely were like, nope, we're just going to 
threw some random clothes on him with some bleach blonde hair. Well, I think what it was is like, okay, we don't have Kung Lao in the game, so at least let's have somebody look like Kung Lao a little bit. So, <laughs> and they just gave it to Raiden for no reason. All right, so mentioning uh, Raiden's voice and his, I guess, Christopher Lambert playing as him. Now, what about with, say, face models as well as the actual voice actors? Now, Scorpion is a great example of this. We've had Patrick Seitz uh, playing as Scorpion in what Mortal Kombat, I think from yeah. DC until X. And then all of a sudden, Scorpion, firstly, now his face models changed. And I think we have, if I remember correctly, a Filipino uh, face model. And then a, I, I, yes. I'm not sure. Yeah, Japanese. I think voice, a Japanese. Yeah. Ron Yu, I think actor. his name is. Yeah. Yes. And did you know that that's not the first time he played Scorpion? Really? Yeah. When? When was the other time? Mortal Kombat Generations, the no? unreleased web series. Oh, what oh, the fuck? Cool. Really? I did not know that. I'm 99% huh. sure. Uh, that's I've, that's I've, news I've never to me. heard of it. It's, it's weird to me speaking about how we apparently can't have somebody who's not the same origin as the character now playing that character but we had patrick sites do an amazing job for a very long time with scorpion only to be what from what it seemed to be unceremoniously like thrown out the window without even being told that he wasn't yeah. playing scorpion until the trailer dropped Ouch. which is how we I mean, found he's, out he's, fa- he's, he's just such a good fit for the role because there, there is an intensity to a lot of the, the characters he plays and that is really good for scorpion a character who's typically motivated by vengeance and uh, you see that a lot, particularly in. Uh, mm. I mean, I, I'm, I, it's known that I, I didn't much care for Scorpion's revenge, but I think he was one of the highlights of it because he put in, as usual, his A game, a great performance. And if him to have been playing the character, doing such a good job for effectively a decade, if you discount Eleven and count Scorpion's revenge, and just then he's just dropped in, in favor of someone else who is more uh, ethnically appropriate. And nothing against the new actor; he does do a fine job with with that. I mean, I mean, he certainly fits the fits, great uh, job, Hanzo, yeah. I would say. The, the, the wizened, post-Scorpion version of Hanzo. But do we really want to give up, uh, have a, a fine performance and give up a fantastic one just because of the ethnicity of the voice actors? Well, the thing is, is that I don't, I don't think it was because of the ethnicity, because if that was the case, then Carrie Walgreen wouldn't be playing uh, Katana and Melina. Or uh, there's... So... I don't, I don't think I don't, I don't think it I don't think it had to do anything with like ethnically appropriate because at the time they were recasting it wasn't at the height of like controversy or anything like that like that wasn't a big subject. What I think actually was the decision to change Scorpion's voice to sound more Japanese just or just why they cha- decided to change to uh, the person who voices Scorpion now from Sites was because Scorpion was more calm in this game like he wasn't this angry uh scorpion anymore and i don't think that sites really has too much like uh too much to offer with that kind of version of the character because in scorpions because oh, in scorpions revenge he I'm was like sure super there's a little bit i know you're gonna bring up like you know there's mkx scenes and things like that where he's kind of like the calmer version yeah mk9 a little bit MK9. But like, I still feel like it fits Scorpion better a little bit. And uh, Scorpion's Revenge, like Patrick Seitz at his best, is Angry Scorpion. And you're not going to get that in MK11. You, it's, just, it's just not even there. So it's acting um, range and not race. Yeah, I think it's it. just the acting range. Now, I'm not saying that Patrick Seitz can't do it. 
But the fact that Patrick cites his main thing known for Scorpion is saying vengeance will be mine or I will see you in hell or things like that, you know, with these angry with these this angry tone. Um, it, that's just not there in MK11 because Scorpion has changed. He's grown up there. Um, of course, of course, but this yeah. is a man literally <laughs> too angry to die. <laughs> this is making the assumption that, uh, that, <laughs> that the casting for MK11 was done based on how well they fit the character. And if that was the case, we wouldn't have gotten Ronda Rousey as Sonya. So, uh, well, you know. <laughs> I feel like, I, I, well, I feel, well, I feel like that's just like an exception of like, you know, R- Ronda, like R- Ronda's always been a f- huge MK fan. She's always been like a huge Sonya fan. And so like, they were like, you know what? Because we're already getting these celebrities actors, let, let's just do it for let's just do it for Sonya, just for this one thing. I and think, there was a I, yeah. petition for yeah, but uh, Sonya of all people, Trisha Helfer. Yeah. Come on, we lost Trisha Helfer. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that Ronda Rousey is good or anything. I, I don't think she's that bad. I mean, like if you if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, you would know that there's been worse voice acting before. I think it's just a meme, and I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, MK4 was a masterpiece, and you know it. There's other possibilities for why Scorpion was recast, and that kind of gets into uh, some of the elements of Hollywood. Uh, that there's probably some similarities because if uh, you remember, Matt Mullins was playing uh, Johnny Cage in Legacy, and that was mm. uh, a holdover from uh, Rebirth. Yeah, Rebirth, and he was the choice of the director to play Johnny Cage when it came to Legacy Two. They obviously replaced him with Casper Van Dien. And when asked about it, yeah. Matt Mullen said that he had to audition again, just like it was a new part. And he lost out to Casper Van Dien. And what you found out was um, the director did not have a uh, final choice for who he wanted his actors to be. And there's always the possibility of uh, when it came to Mortal Kombat 11, sort of the, the same ordeal where a lot of the actors had to re-audition. There could have been uh salary disputes you know we don't always get a lot of the full stories but it could have been that they went with uh ron yoon for money reasons it could have been that uh you know ed boone's not in charge of all the different aspects and it it, it gets kind of weird because i know there was some discussions i had online regarding uh nether realm studios versus midway and there's this i think some fans have this idea that uh, NetherRealm Studios doesn't answer to anyone. That uh, that's that's yeah. I I I've heard I've heard I've heard things uh, in that uh, regard as well. And the the thing is, is that NetherRealm Studios they're still going to have certain voices made by uh, Warner Brother Games because Warner Brother Games is going to handle their marketing. It's going to handle you know they're, they're probably looking at what's trending what. Uh, what aspects that they should be marketing the game to. And I would say that some of their marketing choices worked because Mortal Kombat 11, I think, is like the biggest Mortal Kombat game in terms of sales and popularity now. Yeah, I think um, it could, probably by the end of this year, it's probably going to surpass MKX sales. And that was pretty fast because MKX got to this point like at like 2017 or something like that so yeah mk11 has been very very successful with the marketing and things i think this is probably like the best market of the game it just seems kind of strange we think about it because they still kept patrick sites for the animated movie they made so you think in the name of brand synergy they would have wanted to keep him in both or replace him in both it's just 
a, a bizarre thing. It, it, it is, but then again, like I, 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 I don't because like, like in Scorpion's Revenge, that's all Scorpion was was like the anger, like the ra- the rage kind of angry, a- a- angry Scorpion. So I think it calls for Patrick Sides, and also maybe a bit. It was like, okay, well, look, let's look. Like we already ha- we don't we we have this iconic Scorpion. Everybody knows this guy is Scorpion as well. We changed them, but we still know this. People recognize them as Scorpions, so let's just bring them back. For me, it comes down to kind of ethnic diversity versus talent, which I feel like is is a lot of the, what this conversation is. And I feel like Brusque has the perfect answer for it right now, with just kind of like. The fact that Sites is able to capitalize and like really control the sheer like level of aggression and exuberate in such a way, whereas Eleven takes it in a different direction. But I feel like that could kind of be argued up until a certain point in the chapter with the other like Scorpion from the previous timeline. I hate timelines. Um, so <laughs> it's just like it's kind of like juggling, but it does that definitely does make a lot more sense. But I I definitely think for someone who's been portraying a character for as long as he has and who did not get the call back until the reveal, I think that must have been some kind of creative decision behind closed doors that was probably outside of his hands when it comes to something like that. Because, you know, like straight up getting dropped at a doorstop and not finding out about it till like basically being the last person to find out about it pretty shitty thing to have happen so it's very very shitty which i don't like at all but i I hear this happens all the time in voice acting i'm not saying like Mm. well get with the program no i'm not saying that i'm just saying like i'm not surprised with that kind of stuff that shit just happens i feel like the reason that i think that it was for diversity reasons is because patrick went from not being told a single thing about mk11 finding out via the trailer's release that he wasn't voicing scorpion to later voicing the animated movie. And that's why I feel like WB had more say in this, for example, than NRS would have, I or than they would have had with the actual movie release. that was executively done behind closed doors. I, I feel like that is the case. Because um, mm. like, like we just mentioned, it doesn't make sense for him to be in the movie and to not be in the game. So maybe it might have been a fee thing, um, I, I personally think that it does come down to money at the end of the day when it comes down to casting. Because, you know, if you're paying an actor, the, I'm pretty sure actors make more money off doing video games now than they would do well, for any movie. If he didn't even know that he was going to be voiced in Scorpion, then he probably didn't even know that MK11 was going to even be coming out. Yeah. Like, it, maybe he was weird. like, well, like the thing is, is like these exactly. actors aren't the developers. So I don't think they would know like they, the development process, like, hey guys, is Scorpion going to be in the game? Is, uh, you know, is, you know, Patrick Sice isn't going to ask who Lee, if Lee May is going to be on the roster or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> so, like, but like, it, like, if. With the cries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he could have, like, he could have, like, <laughs> like, uh, the Scorpion's Revenge was in development since like 2016. So they probably caught Patrick Sites to voice Scorpion again, like in 2017 or 2018 or something like that. So he probably knew he voiced Scorpion, um, but he thought it was and he thought it was going to be for the movie, and he thought that was the only new thing about Mortal Kombat that was going to be coming out. And then when the game comes out, he's like, "Wait a second, I didn't voice voice this. That's how I find out." I don't think he thought like he was just completely like dropped and then. Okay, never mind. Like he, he, like, and WB like saw him, like all sad and everything. He's like, okay, we'll bring you back. I think like he just didn't know that there was a new game coming out. Yeah, but the the importance here, in my opinion, is that he didn't know. Whereas in the past, he would have actually been informed 
of the fact that they'd like him to reprise his role. This time he didn't even hear about it. And the fact that he yeah. wasn't even well, I, I, considered again, like, is something interesting. That's, I, 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 I want to sound, I, I know I sound like an asshole, but I, I seriously don't. Like, I, w- I wish he was informed. I feel like that's how you should. I feel like that's how it should go, but and that's 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 how the voice actor thing kind of like works and everything like that. I know he has a special connection to Scorpion and everything, and he should be, but that's it's just the system, which I I mean I'm not saying I like. I'm I know I'm just I'm trying I'm, I'm trying not my hardest not to sound like an asshole, but I think that's just how it goes. R- really, that is how studios can be. Uh, I really think it just came down to they had a, a certain idea in mind and i'm sure all of you remember the uh debacle with metal gear solid 5 and uh with mm-hmm. david Hayter not being asked at all to come back and reprise solid snake which he was the only actor <laughs> for solid snake and well it wasn't solid snake it was big boss but he was voicing both roles <laughs> and to have him not asked back and being replaced with Kiefer Sutherland, that was just kind of a, a dick move considering that was the last game that had uh, Snake in it. So, again, that, that's, yeah, that's, 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 yeah, <laughs> that's the studio system. I mean, even uh, George Romero working on Resident Evil, he never found out he was fired until a news article. I mean, there, there's an interview with a Capcom employee saying that he was fired and that was the same thing with uh like there, there's a lot of different stories that you could pull from to see how some studios act again no one's really sure the reason why they would change voice actors for a character in this instance like i said it the fact that uh that you had one actor play the character for so many games and then they don't even ask him to come back that could have been, uh, again, like a, a financial reason between all the characters that they have being voice acted. They could have looked at it and said, oh, you know, he's asking a little bit too much. And again, that that's when you get into like agents. You have, you know, agents and uh, producers, higher ups for the studio versus the agent for the actor. And there's always that possibility where they're like, you know, this guy, he might he might want too much money for this role. Or they could have already knew what his price, what his salary was. We're like, yeah, we're not going to pay that again. We're going to go with another actor and we're going to take this character in a a different approach. So it it really, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that that is what happened because, you know. But I think, I think the basis here is that I don't think it's black and white. I think there was just multiple factors or there was just something else that was going on. I don't think it had to do with anything like to be eth- ethnically appropriate, because if that was the case <laughs> and they would have replaced Steve Blum, they would have yeah, not yeah. had Kerry Walgreen. And, you know, I think there's a couple of others um, that I'm just not uh, remembering. And, but. and again, it is interesting that they uh, they replaced him with Ron Yoon, who had previously played Scorpion. So they were probably already aware of what he did within that web series that we are probably never going to. Uh, well, I think the web series, it, if that's the case, then the web series probably had like a calmer scorpion. Maybe. We don't know. But like, and if they're like, wait, that's the kind of approach that we want, they'll probably do that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just assuming. But I think he just, that's that's how he does a good job or that's why he does a good job is because he plays the version of of, of scorpion, MK11 scorpion really, really well. So does anybody else have any final comments on the uh, whole representation within Mortal Kombat? topic that we've been discussing this today well i do have one uh, thought which is so 
Raiden being a god, you can argue that even if he is very clearly inspired by uh, the, the Japanese god of thunder and has a very distinctly Japanese uh, influenced design, you can argue that because he's a god, he doesn't have to fit any of our mortal ethnicities and such. Um, but I think what people kind of overlook is if you do say that Raiden has to be Japanese, then shouldn't that apply to Fujin as well, who is very much darker skinned, especially in the earlier appearances? Well, I think I think there's darker skinned Japanese people, so I think you can get away with that. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen one as, as dark as Fujin was earlier. Maybe, maybe yeah, like I, well, when he's in well, 11. Which he's, Fujin he's are talking, right? talking about MK11 Fujin? Well, more than so the, before before that, when he was like around like Armageddon and MK4. I, I never was, really saw it like that dark. I, I, I kind of just saw it as a typical, like it just, yeah, a little bit darker, but not like, not anything outside of like uh, uh, somebody who's dark Japanese, or you, you can it can be Okinawan or something like that. So you know, true. Yeah, I, if for me, the difference between the two wouldn't even be the, the the skin color. If anything, right now with MK11, I would say that Raiden looks quite Caucasian. If yeah, anything, in comparison yeah, yeah. to Fujin, who looks slightly more Asian. But uh, I, for, I think <laughs> this has been an interesting discussion, in my opinion. I it's <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty cool hearing everybody of different origins uh discussing this sort of thing we might all have different opinions on certain aspects but i think we've all made that mm-hmm. clear with a yeah what i'd say is a pretty in-depth discussion here so yeah thank you guys thank you all everybody for joining us today thank you all um hey real quick before we let you all go do you guys want to give a quick plug on where our listeners can find you starting with let's start with fourth snake Okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, the four snake on YouTube. That's with a four, <laughs> n- not not the word. It's the four th. Um, I've never. I don't say that that was a problem with finding me. So I don't know why I always specified that. But <laughs> it seemed like the kind of thing that you should specify. And by the way, um, I, my my name is spelled Bruskoa. B R U S K, not Brusk. I don't even know. I'm just trying to make a joke. <laughs> I, think, I, think like, I think it's like QUE normally. <laughs> it is, it is actually. Yeah, I've also got, uh, you know, DeviantArt and um, uh, Archive of Our Own, fanfiction.net under the same name. Uh, you can go there to find my Mortal Kombat fanfiction, which I'm very proud of. Um, and a lot of people seem to like, so, you know, you might find something you like there. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Fourth Snake because, as I've said before, someone took the Fourth Snake, and I'm still not over it. This is like <laughs> seven years ago, and I'm still not over it. <laughs> All right, and history behind the warrior. Where can our listeners find you. Well, as you said, history behind the warrior on YouTube. You can find me on there. Uh, if you wish to get in contact with me in more of a direct basis, I'm also on uh, Twitter at HB the Warrior, so don't worry, Fourth Snake, I get your pain. There's the idiot account as HBT Warrior has been taken for 11 years, so I feel your hell. Um, if you also want to find me on more of a gaming basis, I do stream on Twitch every Friday and Sunday. You expect fighting games, but I will bond you with a Devil May Cry instead. Um, you can also find me on the Mortal Kombat 11 Pro League in Europe as a part of the four-man commentary team. So if you're interested in that, please do dive in and take a look. All right. And Brandon, how about yourself? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter account is Channel Midnight Productions, but it's at Mr. Midnight Owl. All right. And Brusque Poet. You can find me on YouTube. My name is Brusque Poet on YouTube, and you can also find me on Twitch. I stream every Monday, Wednesday, Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time stream a lot of Mortal Kombat mainly, then, and then I usually sometimes uh, go and watch 
some YouTube videos with the chat. We just chill and have fun. So if you like that and you're interested in that, go ahead and follow me on those two things. And also on Twitter. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, is that Busk with a K or with a Q-U-E? <laughs> All right. And you can find Yanni and myself, Phantom, on the Mortal Kombat group on Facebook, as well as Yanni on the Mortal Kombat meme realm. We'd like to thank all of our listeners for stopping by today, and thank you to each of our guests for joining us in this roundtable discussion. Also, a special thanks to Uppercut Editions for their continued support. You can find them at Encyclopedia MK on Twitter and the Mortal Kombat Encyclopedia Project on Facebook. You can catch up on all episodes of the Realmcast on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you. Need a safe space?